You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Man, happy birthday, Foothills Church. You guys can have a seat. Woo, some great footage from back in the day, uh, some uh, few pounds uh, ago, and uh, James with the buzz haircut like that. Uh, Man, God has done some great things in our church, hasn't he? And uh, today is a really, really unique and, and special day for us as we uh, close out a season of ministry and, and uh, things begin to, to move forward in our new facility. This is our last uh, meeting in this room. And so uh, I believe God has laid a message on my heart today to really share specifically with, with our people and uh, with you guys that, that have been here for a while, that are connected here. And if you're new, uh, I hope that this is an encouraging day for you. It kind of gives you a, a picture of, of what God is doing and what we expect God to do uh, in, in the coming days. But Man, I'm just really uh, thankful today. And so today is really just uh, me really being thankful for for what God has done over the last nine years and and, uh, excited about what God is going to do in our future. And so this message today, I I titled it and really want to answer three questions today. The title is, What Has Changed? What Might Change? And what will never change uh, here at Foothills Church. And so uh, let me start with um, a book that I've read entitled Built Built to Last by Jim Collins. And he said uh, from his research, he found that enduring organizations, organizations that last through the long haul, that are successful, that continue to be healthy and grow uh, over many years, uh, they have two dominant characteristics Uh, Two dominant characteristics that are complementary, but they're also, they kind of seem to be opposites. The first characteristic is that they all have a strong conviction about core ideals that never change. So there's a set of beliefs, there there are some core beliefs, um, and they are committed to those beliefs, and those beliefs never change. And then secondly, he found that they have a clear understanding that everything else must change in order to preserve those core beliefs. And so for an organization to be healthy, this is at work, in your business, that there are a certain set of core beliefs that are always going to be true. They're always going to be your foundation. And so that commitment to those core beliefs. And in a church setting, there, there are core beliefs, core values that we rally around from God's word that never change. And then there's also this commitment that we have to have that everything else, uh, we have to be willing to change. And so if we are able to do that, uh, we'll continue to see God's blessing and and we'll continue to uh, grow as a church. And I think Will Mancini, pastor and author, also hits on this in his book entitled Church Unique. Speaking to church leaders, he says this, every leader needs to etch some things in granite and some things in sand. And the, the idea, what he's trying to get across, is that some things need to be etched in granite. These are our core foundational beliefs. And, and then some things are etched in sand. These are things that are always going to, to change. These are our methods. And so we've always got to be willing to change our methods as a church. And then we have to be committed that there's some things etched in granite that can never change 
change. And so I want to I really unpack that thought today. And let me, let me give you a few examples. Uh, Sunday School is uh, a program, a ministry that is and should be etched in sand. If you grew up in church, you know all about Sunday School. If you did not grow up in church, Sunday School is when you would go to church about an hour early and you'd sit in a classroom and somebody would stand up and they would teach and uh, they would give a lecture, essentially. And, and so there would be anywhere from three people to 100 people to 200 people, depending on the size of your church. Uh, but these uh, got, got really large in some cases. And so they would teach for an hour. And then you would uh, go to the auditorium or the sanctuary, whatever you called it. And then you would hear another lecture, essentially. And so uh, that worked in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, in the 70s, things began to change. The 80s really began to change. And so um, Sunday school didn't work so well. Why? I, I believe uh, people crave authenticity. And in that environment, it was more educational based and, and less about relationship and less about authenticity. And so churches in the 80s uh, really began to shift into a small group model. And so you found churches doing small groups in homes and, and, um, and so uh, more authentic. When you've got a cup of coffee in my living room, it's, it's uh, a lot different than if I'm standing up giving a lecture in, in a classroom. It's also a lot uh, more expensive to build classrooms and maintain those classrooms as churches. And so um, a lot of churches have made this shift. Now, Sunday school is etched in sand, you know. A lot of people got mad and, and left churches because of, you know, the, you know the, the shift from Sunday school to maybe small group. And a lot of you came to our church from maybe a church that had a Sunday school model, and so it was different for you. Um, but small groups etched in, in, in Santa. Uh, we, we, may, we may shift in the next 20 or 30 years. We don't know. But what's etched in granite is discipleship and relationship. Those are things that never change. And so how we accomplish that um, might might change, but the granite never changes. Another example of um, sand versus granite is music styles. Um, back in the day when I was growing up in church, it was an organ, a piano, and hymns. And so that's, that's the style of, of uh, music uh, in, in, in those early days, you know, and that worked for a season. And then again, uh, shifts began to take place in the late 70s and, and in the 80s of churches began to shift into a different style of music. And you were super progressive back in the 80s if you were singing hits like As a Deer Pants for Water, you know? If you were singing that song back in the 80s, you were like hardcore on the cutting age. You remember that song? You guys want to sing it today? As a deer panted for the water, so my soul. Okay, we got some. And then there was Seeky First. That was hardcore as well. You guys want to sing that one together? All the kids in the room, you guys don't know this one, but we're going to teach it to you today. Ready? Seeky. And then the guy stood up. I hear it from over here. I need it over here. <laughs> okay. Okay, keep going. Don't forget the hallelujahs. There you go. We need to end that quickly. Yeah, so that was, that was progressive back in the 80s. Churches split over that song. <laughs> it's a Bible verse. <laughs> and churches split over this. It's so funny. Not funny. It's really sad how we get so connected to the sand. 
the things that need to change in order for us to continue to reach people with the gospel. And so uh, music styles, songs that we sing, these are things that are written in sand. They, they must change. Uh, in the next 20 years or so, we might get rid of the lights and the smoke, and uh, we may go back to the organ. I don't know. What, whatever, you know, we, we, we as, as churches across America feel uh, is, is connecting with the hearts of people and helping people connect their heart to Jesus, because what is etched in granite, what won't change, is worship. And so the style that we use to worship God can change, but the fact that we as a church give him praise through song is what's etched in granite. That, that won't change. And so I think you get it. Um, the granite never changes. So programs change. People change. Places always have to change. Those things are etched in sand, but those things that are etched in granite, what I really want to land on today, uh, will never change. And so uh, with that understanding, let me, again, let me unpack this a little bit more with some things that have changed here at FC. So what has changed at Foothills Church over the last nine years? Well, there is a lot. I'm not going to mention all of it, but you guys know that uh, you know the story. My, my father, Ron Stewart, was the pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Knoxville, and uh, God gave him a vision and a, and a heart to plant a church in Maryville. And so the church started in Maryville Christian School, and they would record his sermon at the early service at Grace, and then someone would physically, this is before technology, I mean, it's funny, it's only nine years ago, but at that time, the technology was recorded on a DVD and then drive it out to Maryville and push play, and uh, so it was a, a video teaching as the church started. And so dad was uh, encouraging me to, to, to lead this church, and uh, I was a little reluctant and a little comfortable and a little fearful, so it took me a few months to, to get it. Uh, and, to, and to submit to that. And uh, finally, I did. And so I, I've been incredibly blessed, uh, like never before. You guys hear me say all the time, like, you know, I want you to take your next step. And the reason why I'm passionate about you taking your next step is because I know what it's like to not be taking that step. I know what it's like to be fearful. I know what it's like to be unsure. But I also know that when you do take that step, I've experienced so much personal blessing. God has changed my life as a result of being a part of this church, and so I want you to experience that. And so uh, a lot has changed. Um, God allowed us to, um, after our second year, uh, allowed us to purchase this building. This building was appraised for $5 million, and um, God let us buy it for a million dollars. And so that was an incredible blessing. We had 130 people when we moved into this massive building. And so we were like, okay, uh, God, you're going to have to bring some people here. And so uh, we started with one service on the other side of the building. Uh, six months later, that went to two services. And then uh, we were able, through the financial giving of our people, to uh, renovate this space. We moved in here. Six months later, we, we grew again. And so when we moved in here, we went back to one service. Six months, we went to two services. About eight, nine months later, we went to three services. We've been in three services for, for two years now. A lot has changed in, in the course of that. Our, our worship experience has changed drastically. If you were at the school, what we had then to what we have now and experience now is completely different. How many of you guys were in the school? Anybody? All right, several. So you guys know it's like, it's completely different. Our family ministry has completely changed and, and, and grown in incredible ways as well. But as we pursued the vision, God gave the growth. 
And that has always been the case as we have pursued uh, the vision that God has given to us. Some ministries don't exist anymore. We used to do um, movie nights in the parking lot, you know, and that worked for a season, and, and then uh, it didn't. And then we, we did Summer Quest, you know, a couple of years, and that was awesome while it lasted. And then, and so, you know, things have changed, and, and we have continued to pursue the vision uh, that God has given to us, and he has brought the growth. We would have um, special services off campus. You know, we had Easter on the field. How many of you were at Easter on the field? Let me see how many. Lots of Easter on the field. How many of you are baptized on the field? Anybody baptized on Easter on the field? Am I missing anybody? Oh, okay. You made the video. Actually, actually, you got cut at the last second. You were on there. You were on there. I remember it because I was doing it. Um, but uh, we did Easter at the Clayton Center. And so those were awesome events. And, a matter of fact, Easter on the field was like one of those days that forever like changed our church and God God blessed our church months and years after that it it was a it was a pivotal moment in the life of our church so uh, many things have changed people uh, have come and gone programs come and go places that we worship and gather change like it is this week but some things will never change what might change, though? So those are a few examples of what has changed. Let me talk about what, what might change in the future. Well, next week, things are going to change, like it or not. Um, as, as we close out this service next Sunday, we are in two services, 9 or 11. And so how many of you guys are going to go to the 9? <laughs> Nobody? Okay, everybody's going to the 9 in this service. Okay, that's an easy, easy question. Um, and so um, that's, a, a, that's obviously a change that, that's coming um, our way. Uh, the way that the room feels on Sunday morning is going to be different, right? So it's a bigger room. If you haven't seen it, it's a bigger room. Uh, still, I, I think it's an amazing room because it's kind of that balance between not massive and, and not tiny, but it's definitely different than this room, and so it's going to feel a little different. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, larger, and so remember that, um, you know, places are etched in sand, um, and, and we built this place for people who are not here yet. Always, always remember that. We're building this for people who aren't here yet. So, so that when people actually do come um, and, and, you know, our church begins to grow, it will feel continually different. This is a good thing, amen? Right? This is a good thing. This is why we are doing uh, what we are doing. The way that we connect with people is going to improve. And so in a larger room, we wanted the, the, the ability to uh, experience a relational environment to, to uh, grow. And so we're creating a new ministry, and we're calling these folks section leaders. And so there will be a section leader for each area in our new auditorium. And so their responsibility and their ministry is going to be to connect with the people that are sitting in that section. And so by connecting with them, building relationships with them, and then also helping them make decisions. So if they need prayer, if they're uh, coming to, you know, make a decision to follow Christ or something, the section leader is how we will help navigate them to, to uh, care for their needs, whether taking them to the Connect Center or the care and prayer room or, or just ministering, th- ministering to them right there in that moment. So I'm really excited about section leaders and how uh, they're going to, to, to help us continually focus on relationships. The way that you check your kids in might feel differently. Uh, it will feel differently. 
We think it's going to be easier. Uh, we think it's going to be uh, uh, faster for you. And we also are keeping in mind that, that our goal for this is, is security uh, in this building. And so instead of a self-check-in, volunteers are going to check you in. And so, again, we think that's going to be faster, but we also think it's going to be more relational. Uh, the goal for us with these um, improvements is, is security. And so uh, the way that you walk into this space is going to feel a little bit different. Uh, the, the two entrances that you'll be using are the front door, which all of you guys are familiar with. And then we're going to, as Landon mentioned, uh, the C entrance, which is over here, which went into the old Kid Street area. And so this back door that a lot of you still use, we're going to actually not use on Sunday anymore because we only want two points of entry into this building. Uh, and that, again, is for the safety of our kids so that we can monitor easier and more effectively who's coming into the building. And uh, you're not coming in unless you have a kid to check in. And then you don't leave unless you've got a tag that matches the tag and the kid that you brought, right? And so so as you come in, we're going to be funneling you through those security um, uh, points. And so I believe that will be uh, effective for security, but also ease uh, for you guys. Parking um, is going to continue to be um, interesting. Um, as our church grows, it will just be more and more of an issue. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm praying that God gives us land, and I'm praying that that we're able to create some space to, to park, um, but it's going to be, you know, one of our challenges, no doubt about it. And so uh, we need your patience. Uh, the way that we park you is going to be a little bit different, and so we actually need you to follow the plan and go where they're asking you to go, the attendants, because uh, for us, we, we want to empty this um, as quickly as possible. We want to fill it as quickly as possible. And so, uh, again, if you're physically able, we'd love for you to park at the company uh, behind us, and, and uh, Connect Center folks can help you uh, get connected to that. We're also uh, raising the bar of volunteers. So early on, we used to go with this mentality that we're going to serve in one service and then attend one service. And so family ministry was doing that well, and then we kind of got away from that in other ministries. And, and so um, we're, we, we are raising the bar to where if you're going to serve on Sunday, we want you to serve in one service and then attend in one service. And so that's a, that's a big adjustment for some of you. Some of you are here already, uh, but we truly believe that someone that comes in late to a service because they're serving somewhere else, they're missing a key moment. And a key part for the Spirit of God to connect with them. If they have to leave before I finish and, and I have given the challenge, then they're missing an opportunity uh, that we believe God wants them to experience. So we want you to serve in one service and then attend a full service without coming late and without leaving early. It's going to be a, a blessing. It's going to fill your spirit uh, in the long run. <clears throat> Another cool uh, change, we thought with the addition of the building um, and some changes that we would change our look. So after nine years, we've had the same logo and colors and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we're changing our logo, and it's going to look like this. And uh, you can kind of see that it's a, a um, more of an icon-driven um, logo that we're, we really love. And so I think it's going to take off just like the Nike swoosh. And so um, we're, we're really praying through that. Uh, but you're going to see that everywhere. I love it. If you cock your head to the side, it's an F for Foothills Church. Yeah, you can kind of see that. Um, and so we thought that was pretty cool. So you'll, you're going to see that. Uh, another thing that is changing is um, we're going to begin to talk about and share more uh, about a new slogan 
really, and that's really kind of a church. It's a slogan because of, it's our church, out into the community. It's just our message to them, and that message is you belong here. And so you're going to hear us say that more and more because we really want our community We want the people in our community to know that they can find a place to belong here at Foothills Church. No matter where uh, they are from, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, we want them to know that they can find forgiveness and hope in the gospel, and we want them to find life in Jesus. And so uh, we want our community to hear that message from our church that you belong here. And so you'll hear more of that. You know, over the years, we've done a really good job establishing um, our, our vision and our strategy to make disciples. And so one of the things we haven't really talked a lot about is, is what our core values are. And we've never really done a series on that. We've never really uh, put statements to that to, to really communicate to you. And so that's what our first series in the new building is. It's called Open House. And for seven weeks, we're going to talk about um, our core values as a church. And so um, next Sunday, I'm going to unpack the you belong here uh, idea. And so that'll be our first Sunday next door. And then after that, we're going to cover all of our values that uh, you're, you're going to find that we this is, this is not something we've created. This is who we are, but it's just a, a new way for us to actually communicate it. So I'm really excited uh, to share that uh, with you guys. Obviously, this is the last day that we have three services, and so times are changing. And uh, can we just give a, a shout out to the media guys, the, uh, the, the worship team, and all those staff members and, and all those other folks who serve all three services every Sunday. Can we just thank them? Because they've done a great job. For two years, they get here really, really early, and they stay all day, and uh, it's without our volunteers, man. Without them, we wouldn't be able to, to, to experience what we experience here on Sunday morning. So there are some changes, okay? We, we've seen that. We're, we're going to experience that. It might uh, feel a little different, but I want to assure you that there, uh, there are many things that aren't changing and that will never change. And so what will never change So for that, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. I couldn't get out of Acts. You know, I I just have loved it so much. We're going to go back to it today and kind of cover a few important points that we've learned through our journey of Acts. I learned so much, man. I grew so much by studying uh, the book of Acts with you guys. And and so uh, we're going to talk about really five major characteristics of the early church. Because really, we want to model the early church, right? I mean, this is our model. God gave us the model this is what the early church should be and how it should look like. And so uh, we want to we uh, make sure we understand what God was doing here. So in chapter 2, verse 42, this is the early church. And it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you've got your Bible and you haven't circled the apostles' teaching, circle that. And to the fellowship, circle that word fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, circle that phrase, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, circle that phrase, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Another great phrase, those who were being saved. 
that what we're seeing in this passage is, is really the five reasons why we have church. The five purposes of why we gather as a church and what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And so if you're taking notes, the first characteristic of the early church is that the first church was dedicated to five purposes. Now, what are they? I've taught on these many times, but the first one is in that phrase, the apostles teaching, we get the purpose of discipleship. So discipleship is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. So we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And so there is an educational, like I'm learning, but then there's also the applying and there's someone helping me apply and grow and mature in my faith. So there's the commitment to grow as a follower of Jesus. And so discipleship happens on Sunday morning. It happens in small groups. It happens in various ministries that we uh, provide. Discipleship is one of the major reasons why we gather and why we do what we do. Secondly, we see this word fellowship. So this is the relational side of, of, of why we meet. We're supposed to be in fellowship together. We're supposed to be in a relationship together. We, we, we see that they did life together. They did life together in large groups. They did life together in smaller groups. And so if you don't have friendships here at FC, I wanna encourage you to take that step to get connected in a small group, to build relationships. This is part of the reason why church even exists. And then this phrase, selling their possessions. This is the purpose of ministry. And so they were serving each other. They were serving their church. They were serving their community this is another reason why we are a church. We wanna rally around the idea that we are here to serve our community, to serve others. And so as they sold their possessions, they met needs around them. And then the phrase praising God. So this is their, the, 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 the purpose of worship. Now you could say that everything is worship. You, you, you could make that argument that you know, everything flows out of worship, and it does. And, and so we see this, this purpose of, of gathering for worship. Uh, they gathered for prayer. Some people might say there are six purposes, and prayer is a purpose. But, but you, could, you could argue that prayer is a part of our worship. And so prayer and worship is, is why, uh, partly why we gather. It says the breaking of bread. Now, this, this wasn't just, you know, eating food. Uh, this was, uh, in particular, the Lord's Supper. So they were gathering to eat, yes, but they were also gathering to break uh, bread, the Lord's uh, Supper. That is part of worship as well. And then it says, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so this is evangelism. This is the purpose of evangelism. So they were sharing their faith. They were preaching the gospel as they met. So the purpose of sharing our faith and making disciples is all part of what it looks like to be a part of a church that is healthy. And so evangelism, they were dedicated to the Great Commission to make disciples. This is the granite. This will never change, right? Worship, evangelism, ministry, fellowship, discipleship. These are things that are etched in granite. The people the places, the programs that we use to accomplish these purposes will all change over the you know, course of, of, of time. But, but these purposes, what we gather to do will not change. As we pursue the vision, God will give the growth. The second characteristic that we see in the early church is that the early church was big and it was growing really fast. A few verses here. Look at verse 41 of chapter two. Again, there we see that the Lord added to their number 
um, that there were added that day as, as Peter finishes his sermon, about 3,000 souls, about 3,000 people came to know Christ in that verse. Look at chapter four, verse four, flip the page. Luke says, many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And the word for men there refers to males, men. <laughs> real, real deep thought there. So the real number would be at least double that because women and uh, even children would have been there. In fact, Acts 5, 14, if you want to look at that, verse 14 says, More than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So we, we have one church with at least 10,000 members. And that's all by Acts chapter 5, just within a few months. This, this is extraordinary growth. And so I know a lot of people think big churches aren't good, but I just want us to know, biblically speaking, the first church was pretty large. I, I think 10,000 people is a pretty large church. So we, we know that the early church was growing fast and it was large. And then thirdly, the early church met in large groups to hear preaching and in small groups in their homes. And so we know this to be true. Verse 46, again, day by day, tending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. So it says that they met every day in the temple. Um, they also met in homes. We don't want to assume that just meeting in the temple meant that all 10,000 people gathered every single day, every day. I don't think that's what it meant. I don't think practically the temple was even large enough to house that many. The, the Gentile court was large, but if 10,000 people were there without microphones, it would have been really distracting for, for Peter to stand up and try to preach to 10,000 people while everybody, all the other Jews were trying to go about their daily worship in the temple. And so what I think is happening here is maybe two, three, four, multiple hundreds of people are gathering every day, maybe not all at the same time, but maybe multiple times a day, almost like multiple services. And so through the course of the day, every day there were Christians meeting there and hundreds at a time and multiple, uh, uh, multiple services and they were hearing the gospel preached. Chapter 5, verse 42, every day, temple courts, house to house. So again, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching in a large group setting, and they were also devoted in small groups to gather around the word of God for discipleship. And so they organized themselves as one church with 10,000 people who could be instructed by their leaders. We don't know for sure how they did all of this. In other words, we don't know how they worked out childcare. We don't know if their curriculum for small groups was sermon-based or Lifeway resources. <laughs> we don't know how they did their job. They, you know, took care of the garden and fed themselves. We don't know how they, they managed their family and life and still made small group and large group gatherings at their church a priority. But we do know that they prioritized it. And I would argue that it's not harder today than it was back then. I would say they faced challenges and they, they, they had figured out. We face challenges and we have to figure it out. And we have to be committed to it. And we have to have a priority to do both. Fourthly, the early church experienced problems as it grew in number and in diversity. Flip over to chapter six. We learned this several months ago. It says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, there's the growth, right? As we grow, there are problems. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. And so here is the cultural, you know, uh, diversity 
issue as more people come from different backgrounds and different ideas, there seems to be more challenges that we have to uh, deal with. And it says, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So ministry was being neglected. Not because they didn't care about those people, but just because in the massive growth that they experienced, the structure and the system that they had in place to care for people was, was experiencing issues. And so they had to make adjustments and they had to figure out new systems and new structures to care for people. I'll never forget in the early days of our church as we were really taken off, there was a couple that left our church because he went into the hospital and nobody came to see him. Now, it wasn't a major surgery. It was a, it was a very short stint. and It wasn't life-threatening. And it wasn't because we didn't care about him. We cared about him. We didn't have a good system in place to, first of all, know that he was there. <laughs> and then secondly, the people and the resources to be able to, to, to make sure his needs were cared for during that time. And he left, he left our church. And what, what I, I think that's a good example of is that everybody thinks that, that, you know, we should be able to hit every single need in our church all the time, 100%, about a, about a thousand, right? And it's just not possible. There are problems in our church. There will be problems in our church. We are not perfect by any stretch of the means. But as elders and as pastors, we are committed. You know, we want to develop new structures as we grow and, and, and grow our capacity with volunteers, with leaders, and with staff to be able to meet needs and care for people because our heart is to care for people and to meet needs. And at the same time, as we grow, there are going to be problems and, and challenges to make that happen. And so when we identify these needs, don't run away. Let's help address them and actually fix them. Fifthly, the early church sent leaders to plant churches. So we saw this through our, 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 our study that Paul was sent on three missionary journeys. And he planted churches all over Asia. His co-workers planted churches as well. So for us to model the early church, as a, as a church, we have to begin to structure ourselves and, and think forward into how we can plant more churches. So that's heavy on our heart. And so uh, one of the ways that we do that currently is that we're partnered with the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. So we give money to them um, every year. And they are planting churches all over North America. They are planting churches around the world. And then we uh, also, we had one of our own staff members go plant a church in D.C. that we support financially. He went through the North American Mission Board process uh, to be trained and, and they give to him financially as well. We have our first couple that is um, moving overseas and our partner churches in London that have gone through the International Mission Board process that we're praying with and, and uh, helping and praying for and that we will uh, continually uh, support in the future. And so, so these, are, these are great things. And so places are always going to change for us. How can we plant more churches and be a part of planting churches? What does it look like for our church to grow in the future so that we plant a church down the road slash into Knoxville so that, you know, Foothills Church becomes two campuses. And I've shared that. Why would we do that? Well, we're continuing to model the early church to advance the gospel, to, to, to preach the gospel, to reach more people with the gospel. So even though we're experiencing a lot of changes, we've experienced a lot, 
we're getting ready to go through some, just want to make sure the same mission, the same vision drives this staff and our leaders and our pastors every day. And that mission is to make disciples and specifically to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And so we're going to continue to pursue that We think that we are a unique church and that we have a dynamic worship experience on Sunday morning. We actually teach the Bible. We're going to preach the gospel. And if I ever stop preaching the gospel, as Charles Spurgeon said, he said, when I I cease to preach salvation by faith in Jesus, put me into a lunatic asylum, for you may be sure that my mind is gone. Put me away if I stop, because my mind is gone. I need help, (laughs) right? Lots of changes, same message, same vision, same relational approach. Our heart is not just to go to church. We want to be the church. We want to reach this city with the gospel by living on mission in this city every single day, wherever you're working, wherever you go to school, wherever you play, wherever you hang out, teaching and equipping you to invest in this city. And as we do, more people will come. They'll see the life-transforming power of Jesus We'll have to improve ministries. We'll baptize people. The big room next door that, you know, we move into that, you know, might not have all the seats filled up, most likely will begin to fill up. I believe that. And as we preach and share you belong here and we evangelistically continue to preach the gospel and see people come to faith, our church will grow and there will be some of you here today I don't know who it will be. But some of you will be tempted to to make assumptions. And you'll say, man, all they they care about is is numbers. Growing, more people. That's all they talk about. And if you hear a brother say that or sister, I just want you to, to look at him and say, brother, the sand is changing. But the granite is not. Same mission. Keep walking with us. Stay connected. If you're not connected, get connected. We get to be on the front end of an incredible journey to make disciples in this city. Just imagine what it's going to look like a year from now, two years from now. I know what God did when we moved into this room. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be blown away to see what he does when we move next door into that room. And you and I get to have a front row seat to the power and growth that God is going to give to this city. People are going to experience the power of Jesus because you serve, because you give, because you're a part of this church. And and I don't want to take that for granted. I want to praise God for that. I'm going to praise God for, for what I believe He is going to do in our church. We we've seen so much already. We moved into this space with 130 people. Today, we're 1,400 people. We've baptized well over 500 people over the last nine years. We've been to four different countries on multiple mission trips. Our family ministry has ministered to hundreds of kids and students. God's been good. My life has changed. He's allowed us to live in a great city with a lot of hurting people. He's given us great facilities change lives. We've got a great staff that loves you. We've got great small group leaders and volunteers serving every week that 
love this place and love this city and care about Jesus and want to know Jesus. We're far from perfect. But that's what makes the the journey interesting. (laughs) It's why we get up and we keep trying. We keep maturing by the power of God within us to see mature disciples made and for us to continue to mature as well. So we have a lot to praise God for as a church. And so I wanted our last song to kind of be a mixture of old song, new song, praise God. We sang it last week um, because God is so good. He's been so good to us. And I realize that some of you are probably going through a difficult season. If you missed last Sunday's message, I encourage you to go online and watch it. Maybe you're going through a difficult season and maybe it's hard to sing those words, but I wanna assure you that the storm that you may be experiencing today does not mean that God does not love you, does not mean that God is not with you. And so we can sing that with all of our heart today. We can sing that because of how he's changed our life and how he's changed our church. And so I want to close with that song today. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You have been good to our church. You have done incredible things in our church. And Lord, we're excited that you're going to continue to do that. Lord, we don't know what that's going to look like or what you're going to do in our heart, but we're ready for it. So we want to we prepare our hearts, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place. In fact, would you just ask God that right now? Just God, say, God, prepare my heart. Prepare my heart that we would be ready to receive whatever it is that God's going to do in our, in, our, in our midst, that we would give him praise and glory for it. Father, you are so good. And we want to thank you today for the journey that is Foothills Church, how you've blessed us and how you're moving us. God, may we always stay faithful to the granite, to making disciples of all nations, here in our city and abroad, wherever you would lead that we would go. And God, we worship you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.